This podcast was sponsored by Mutual Insurance Company of Arizona. Mike is the select provider of medical professional liability coverage for the Maricopa County Medical Society. For more information about MICA, call 602-956-5276 or visit www.mica-insurance.com. Hi, I am Dr. Karini Vinales, board member of the Maricopa County Medical Society and an associate program director for the Endocrinology Fellowship Program of the University of Arizona College of Medicine, Phoenix. Welcome to our Arizona Physician Podcast. I hope you enjoy our talks. Helping that physician move from a one-size-fits-all prescription for aging to a more individualized approach to aging, that is really one of our main goals here. Hello, this is Brian Powell of the Flint Foundation, guest host of the Arizona Physician Podcast, brought to you by the Maricopa County Medical Society. The MindCrowd Online Research Project, developed by the Phoenix-based Translational Genomics Research Institute, in partnership with the University of Arizona and Alzheimer's Prevention Initiative, has had about 140,000 participants over the past seven years from all 50 states and more than 150 countries. Matt Huntelman, the MindCrowd Director and Professor in TGen's Neurogenomics Division, is here today to talk about his research. Welcome, Dr. Huntelman. Hi, thanks for having me. What is the MindCrowd test? Well, the MindCrowd test is actually an online-based study of the brain. So uh, we decided that if we were going to be able to study the entire melting pot of the country and eventually of the world, we needed to have a research study that lived on the internet. And is this test available for anybody who is interested? Absolutely, that's one of the benefits of having a research study that resides on the internet. We are essentially open for business, if you will, 24 seven. The only requirement is that you're 18 years of age or older because this is a research study, you have to agree to our consent form that is required for every human research study. And what have you learned so far? Well, we've learned a lot of things. First, we've learned that this approach to doing science is highly accurate. So uh, many people have utilized the exact same tests that we use in our study in prior research. That research was conducted face-to-face in an actual laboratory. And what we find is that we replicate those results. So our results are exactly as those that were found in the face-to-face studies. That is really exciting to us because that shows that our approach is, is very valid. What that means, what, what those findings were, we see changes in memory with age, and this is in healthy people. So normal aging, we see a decrease in the type of memory that we're studying. We also see differences between the sexes men and women perform differently on this test. And we find a few other things that others have reported in the literature. However, uh, because of our large size of our study, uh, it's one of the largest ever done to date, we did find some new things as well. Uh, One of the most intriguing things that we found is that a family history of Alzheimer's disease, and what this means is you reported to us that you have a mother, a father, or a sibling who has had Alzheimer's disease diagnosis. 
if you report that to us, we found that you are at risk to have worse memory than your peers who do not have a family history of Alzheimer's disease. And perhaps the most surprising thing was that this extended down into the 20s and 30-year-olds. So we're already seeing memory differences in those uh, young adults if they report a family history of Alzheimer's disease. Now, I think it's important to mention that this does not mean they have Alzheimer's disease. It does not mean they have dementia. In fact, they probably don't even recognize that their memory might be a little bit worse than their friends. It's a very subtle difference, but with the size of our study, we're able to detect it, and it suggests that there could be changes happening very early in the brain for those people who are at higher risk for the disease. Now, you have coined the term precision aging, and uh, can you describe that concept? Yes, we are very excited about this concept, and uh, the term precision aging really was motivated by all the wonderful work uh, that I see happening around me at TGen, but also across the field of oncology. So uh, researchers who study cancer have advanced this, tech, this technology, this approach called precision medicine. And what that means in the cancer world is getting the right drug and the right patient at the right time. And the way they figure that out is by leveraging a lot of information, but most importantly in that equation for precision medicine and cancer, is the genetic information of the tumor. So we wanna treat the, what the tumor is telling us is the most vulnerable part of the cancer. When it comes to how we're applying it, when we use the term precision aging, what we mean is that people in the world age differently for different reasons. So I might uh, be aging because of certain things related to my cardiovascular health, and you might be aging due to certain things related to your sleep or dietary habits, for example. We may look the same on paper. In other words, we might have the same exact trajectory of aging. Our brain is aging in the exact same uh, path. However, how we got to that path was very different. What that means for us is that there are recommendations that are different between the both of us to improve the way our brain ages. So I might have certain recommendations, and you might have other recommendations to help us achieve the most successful aging that we can. To dig into this, we have to start to studying individuals as individuals instead of studying them as groups. And that really is the concept of precision aging, looking at the individual and trying to understand how and why they are aging in a certain path compared to their peers. And how do you envision this helping physicians as they care for the elderly or patients of theirs that are aging? That is a great question, and it is a little bit further into the future. However, the vision here is that we no longer want to, to take a one-size-fits-all approach to healthy aging. Uh, so we want to understand what changes in each patient's, each participant's life can improve how their brain is aging, and we wanna ask them to focus on those particular areas. We, we realize all of us are busy. There's not every hour in the day to focus on all the recommendations to have a healthy brain and a healthy body. So the vision here is to make sure people understand what's the most important aspect to focus on for them individually. So eventually we do wanna power the 
physician to have that conversation with their patient or the, the, the person they're seeing in front of them to coach them about what might be the most important thing to do to help with their aging process. You've been listening to the Arizona Physician Podcast. When we come back, we will discuss how MindCrowd may play a role in studying COVID-19's impact on the brain. This podcast was sponsored by Mutual Insurance Company of Arizona, the select provider of medical professional liability coverage for the Maricopa County Medical Society. As a physician-led mutual, MICA has been Arizona's choice for medical professional liability insurance for nearly 45 years. We provide value to members with superior claims handling and exceptional risk management programs. Call us today for a quote or visit our website to learn more about MICA's premium coverage options and outstanding service. 602-956-5276 or www.mica-insurance.com. Bureau of Medical Economics has been servicing the account collection needs of the medical community since 1951, with nearly 70 years of experience in this industry and proven results. We proudly consider our clients, your practice, an invaluable business partner. There is no obligation and no upfront cost. Please give us a call at 602-252-3469 for more information. Welcome back to the Arizona Physician Podcast with TGEN's Matt Huntelman. Dr. Huntelman, can you describe what it's like for someone taking the test? What, what types of exercises do they go through on the MindCrowd test itself? Absolutely, so from start to finish, it takes around 10 minutes for the average person to participate in the MindCrowd study. And the first thing you see when you click on the take the test button at our webpage, which is at mindcrowd.org, when you click that button, you see a consent form. This is a standard consent form that we have to do with any human research that we do, and you're able to read it and agree to it. And then we ask you a few questions about yourself, and then you're off to taking the brain test. The first brain test is what we call a reaction time test. It only takes about 30 seconds. And the second brain test is the memory test, and that involves remembering pairs of words. Um, after that, which uh, those two tests together take about five to seven minutes, after that, you actually get to see your results from your tests. You get to share, you get to compare yourself to other people, and uh, then you're finished. We also give folks the ability to tell us their name and email address so we can contact them about future research in Minecraft. And that might involve other tests or recommending them to tests that are local to their area as well. And how is Minecraft being used to investigate the impact of COVID-19 on brain function? Well, we realized uh, when COVID came onto the scene that we were in a very unique position because we had, uh, as you mentioned, over 100,000 measurements of people before the disease even existed in the human race. So because we had all these prior measurements, we're now able to go back to the MindCrowd cohort and ask everyone who participated in MindCrowd if they were diagnosed with COVID and start to study how that might have changed their memory performance, how that might have affected their brain uh, across time. So we're in a really neat position because we have all this prior data, 
before anyone was exposed to COVID. And now we're going to go back and find people who actually were diagnosed with the, the disease and see how their brain's doing, see uh, what the impact might have been and study them for a little bit longer and a little bit deeper. And are there other plans to expand MindCrowd, either from reaching new people or, or in, in, any other, in any other way? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're constantly thinking about ways we can expand MindCrowd. One of our main areas of focus for this year, for 2020, has been in improving the diversity of research participants that are in MindCrowd. What we realize is that uh, most of the medical information, most of the health decisions that confront us when we go to our doctor, those are driven by scientific research studies. And therefore, diversity within the scientific research study is really important if we're to capture accurate advice for all types of races and ethnicities that exist in our United States. So we've had a real focus on trying to get the word out among the underserved and underrepresented groups in Minecraft. Uh, these are uh, the black and African-American individuals, individuals who consider themselves to be uh, Latino. Having greater participation in those and other underserved groups are really important because it helps us better understand how each of these groups are aging differently and what's most important to help them age as best as possible. And why should physicians uh, be excited about the future of this project and where it will continue to go? That's a great question. Sometimes uh, research studies are, uh, when they're in their beginnings, they're maybe a bit of a headache for physicians. They drive patients uh, to their office with uh, just evidence that's a little bit too early. But why I think physicians should care about studies like MindCrowd is because we are actually reaching large numbers of people now. What that means is our advice and our findings are going to be much more accurate. And if we do things right, we're also going to be able to cover all the diversity that's out there in the country. Uh, we're able to study all types of uh, different demographics. And that, in the end, just leads to more reproducible and much more accurate advice for the average patient that walks in that physician's door. So, you know, again, helping that physician move from a one-size-fits-all prescription for aging to a more individualized approach to aging, that is really one of our main goals here. And I think that's important for, for all of us as we, we all are, are, you know, our population in general is aging a little bit longer, and we hope that trend uh, continues. Thank you for your time, Dr. Huddleman. And to learn more about MindCrowd and take the test, visit mindcrowd.org. Founded in 1892, Maricopa County Medical Society is a strong collective physician voice. Thank you for listening to the Arizona Physician Podcast.